Warning, the following podcast may contain language that some listeners may find offensive or confusing or intriguing. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the 3v3 podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. The letter of the week this week is C. C for cantankerous. No, this has nothing to do with our new audio setup and everything to do with people's, um, oh, moods during these uh, opening round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. My God, are people in a bad mood? Especially me. <laughs> Especially me right now. Uh, welcome to the new and slightly improved 3v3 podcast. I say slightly improved because we're still the same, but our audio has changed. Hopefully. And I'll be cantankerous because technology hates me clearly. Join the club. Do we get jackets in this club? Maybe. Satney ones? I hope so. Or some good calligraphy on it, like embroidered on it. Like the okay, pink but- ladies. Yeah, yeah, but not necessarily pink, although I don't, well, I'm not a fan of pink. I will wear pink, but yeah. Which wives and or girlfriends or significant others club do we need to steal ideas from? Mm. Um, I'm going to go not the kings. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so if we're going to stay in that realm, thoughts on the Oilers. Do we want to go full NASCAR on this? I'm uh, I'm going to go off book. Okay. I'm going to go with the Minnesota Wild. Because hmm. I think there's some maturity there. And and but not so much that it's it's not a maturity that know that that is afraid of having fun. Well, no, see, that's the thing, though, is that is that only mature people can act immature because immature people think that acting immature makes them look bad. God, is that so true? As I as I said once recently, only real adults know that sometimes you have to let yourself be a child. And that's childlike rather than childish, because those are two different things. Mm, are they really, though? I mean, kind of. yeah. you know, maybe mm-hmm. sort of, kind of. Because mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I think there is some childish behavior in the Tampa-Toronto game the other night. <laughs> which I am totally down with, by the way. I am 100% down with it. Dude, if, if Cooper isn't trying to manipulate something... His players or or the official on ice officials, then he's got to be dead. The guy is a lawyer. Lawyers, that's what they do is they manipulate. Uh, the NHL many- would be very, very, very quick to dispute that fact, Cassie. I'm, I'm just going to well, say that's that. them manipulating the truth, isn't it? Oh isn't yes. It? <laughs> Yeah, and it goes both ways, Cassie. I mean, it's not particularly, you know, it's not just um, John Cooper doing some manipulating or being childish or childlike, depending no, on your worldview. 
I just, I just think it's um, moderately entertaining watching one team potentially implode while another team is potentially staving off an implosion. Meanwhile, Corey Perry is staying very calm through all of it. I well, demeanor wise, <laughs> he's still taking penalties. Okay, but his. I mean, he has if, something if, in check. If if you were to point across all the players on both the teams and say Corey Perry is going to be a man of reasonable reasonableness, reasonable temperament, <laughs> yes, of moderate temper, boy, nobody, everybody would look at you like you were completely high. And they wouldn't be wrong necessarily. <laughs> no, no, I don't believe they would in any aspect be anywhere wrong. Because hmm. yeah. what do you say to a hockey player to get them as angry as Pat Maroon was? That dude was livid. And I can only imagine the infamous yellow shirt guy in Toronto um, probably went a little overboard with some personal stuff, maybe. Because, you know, I mean, these guys you know, that's, that's how you rile someone up. I mean, at the end of the day, it's usually something very personal. Well, for better or for worse. Or so we've been told he was called soft because that's all it takes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what it was. I highly oh, doubt man, that. But so it could have been. So many things but I could say been. to that. I highly doubt it was him being called soft. Is I think that guy went personal, personal. Because probably for for Maroon to lose it like that, I I don't know. You know, you the guy spends enough time in the penalty box and spends enough time in the penalty box in opposing teams' arenas, and you know, and in key situations. I mean, for crying out loud, you know, three Stanley Cup appearances in a row or four in a row for him. Um, granted, there was some COVID weirdness in there, but you can't tell me throughout his career he's you know. He's not been subject to some people laying into him while he's in the box in, in an opposing arena. Oh, all kinds of mm -hmm. abu verbal abuse, I'm sure. But you know what the worst abuse might have been? The Maple Leafs just let him have the puck as much as he wanted in the third period, <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> that is that is smart business strategy, Pat. Yeah, I mean, they the Leafs were caved in on attempts through most of the second and the third. But Tampa wasn't generating much of anything else, so let the hothead hold the puck. And I was clearly, uh, you know, the it, it has been the, it was the most interesting twenty four slash thirty six slash forty eight hours watching them get bounced in game one and then bouncing. Tampa in game two and then the parade being planned after game three 
You mean the parade being back on after game three? Well, uh, <laughs> they've already got I, it planned. <laughs> well, I think they had to replan it. Um, mm. Simply, simply because Toronto, you know, mm-hmm. oh, now it's got to go there. through this guy's neighborhood because this is where, this is where Ryan O'Reilly's from. So now the, tor- now the parade route has to go this way. Mm-hmm. And that's annoying. So I, I hope the columnists keep up on the whole parade bit. And I can't believe they're going to say it. Should the team actually exercise their demons and... um. I'm not going to say prevail. I'm just going to say survive because it seems like it's just the walking wounded between all eight series. If they could survive, change it up and don't do a parade. Do something completely different. Just to keep everyone on their toes. Well, I mean, someone in their organization fired a head coach that gave him a championship. So, you know. Mm. What the hell could they do that would be different? The boat thing's been done. Yeah, the boat thing really wouldn't work in Toronto proper. Um, hmm, what could they do? Well, I mean, they could take it to a cabin and... But that really isn't entertaining. <laughs> they, they they live stream going from cabin to cabin. Mm-hmm. I could sit. Uh, God, could you a, just not see them doing that? It would be all of them, too. Oh, yeah. A six-part just, documentary series where uh, John Tavares has to remove the kombucha tap from his house that we've learned about and heard way too much about. Um, what else? Hmm. Yeah, I don't. Unless, unless they do some like hot air balloon thing, I, I don't see it doing it differently. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. You know what they should do? Is an escorted tour where they go by certain publications and broadcasters' offices and just do little pop-up events. Could you imagine them outside of, like, Steve Steve Simmons' domicile or his office? They're just just, just roaming around downtown. They're just roaming around downtown Toronto, stopping by everyone's offices. Aimlessly. <laughs> just saying, hey, bite this, sucker. <laughs> the the Maple Leaf Cup revenge tour. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, it's all being led by William Nylander, right? No, oh, of course. Yeah. He's he's the one carrying the cup into Steve Simmons's, you know, cubicle area. Puts it on his desk, leans on it. Gives hey, him that. How's it going? Yeah, <laughs> gives him gives him that blonde hair flip, the the legless hair flip, and right. sort of grins at him and 
picks up the cup and turns around and walks off. Before he could touch it. <laughs> oh, Simmons would touch it. You know, he'd be he'd be afraid he'd he'd turn in. It, he'd be afraid he'd end up like the um like the 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 captain in Raiders of the Lost Ark, Last Crusade, you know, picking up the wrong chalice. Face melting off. That I stumbled way too hard to get into that joke. It needed better timing, and I apologize for that. It's hundred percent on me. I'll work on my timing before next game. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was thrown off with the tech issues I was having, and it was only me, by the way, folks. I was the one having deck issues. <laughs> Fancy that. Oh, it'll be my turn. It'll happen like. You know, three or four episodes down, we all log in and I'll be the one who can't do anything. Mine likes to pop up unexpectedly. And I'm just happy to be here. (laughs) Sort of like the New York Islanders. Oh, wait, they're not happy. (laughs) No, they are most definitely not happy. Nobody's happy. uh, As we record this on the Sunday... Um, that your your appropriation of the word your appropriation of the word cantankerous was really really um, spot on for that for that Islanders Hurricanes game. That was the ultimate cantankerous first ten minutes of a hockey game that I think I've ever seen. Six penalties. I mean, what were there six to eight penalties that early, and then things finally calmed down in the second for a team. Yeah, A team. There, there's the kicker, right? Somebody's going to complain they're getting they're getting done dirty by the by the imbalance again, and the next thing you know, <laughs> they're it still getting done imbalanced, dirty. Imbalanced, though. That's the stupid part. The whole thing should be imbalanced. You shouldn't have you shouldn't have equal amounts of like penalties for each team. It should be whoever's doing stupid things should get more penalties kind of thing. But yet here we are NHL's like, Oh, we don't want the, we don't want the referees to like determine the series, even though they're really going to determine the series kind of stuff. So I've been thinking a lot about that point of view, Cassie. Because mm-hmm. I saw Arthur Staple, um, who covers the Rangers and the Islanders and maybe the Devils from time to time for the Athletic. And he made a comment about the first period in that Canes Islanders game. And it just makes me wonder are the refs the only ones prepared for this? Because the only thing that's really changing are the players, coaches, fans. Like it's everyone else's expectations. Because they decide to um, play hard for 60 minutes instead of the usual, eh, we're going to preserve ourselves for April. It goes back to the, the the tale as old as time. All any of us want is consistency in officiating. That is it. That's it. It's all any of us want. Just be consistent. If it's imbalanced, then it's imbalanced. But if you're being consistent, I don't care. It's not inconsistent for me. It, well, it is consistency, you know, because, you know, inconsistency is infuriating in its own way. Um, it's fairness. Nobody's fair in the NHL. The game is supposed to be fair. And yet their definition of fairness 
is not my definition of fairness <laughs> and probably not the definition of most fans most fans definition of fairness either so their definition of fairness is everybody gets equal time in the box my definition of fairness is call the people who are doing bad things you know call the penalty of the people doing bad things and put them in the box and i don't care how many penalties aside it goes it's just do do the thing by the rules and call it good yeah well that doesn't sound fair to me cassie well it doesn't call. sound fair to the nhl obviously <laughs> <laughs> call the damn just oh god just call it just dis- define a standard and call it and they I have think- a standard that's what they're calling. They're calling their standard, but their standard is not everybody else's standard. That's well, it's the deal. Not, it's not even their standard 10 minutes later. True. You know, it's, and, I, and I think that is by and large why everyone just went absolutely ape-tastic during the first Toronto-Tampa game was the standard was all over the place. Absolutely all over the place. So, uh, you know, just for the love of God, please just, you know, just pick a lane and stay in it. And if it ends up being um, an inequitable penalty situation, then it's inequitable. Right. If it favors one team more than the other, then deal with it. That team has to learn how to play like they're playing to the standard being set by the officials. This reminds me of things at work that I'm not going to get into, which are just as frustrating. <laughs> it's it, well, ever, I think all of us have had the goalpost moving on us at work, and that's effectively what this is. Here's a goalpost. Nope, there it is. Nope, there it is. Nope, there it is. You know. And and it, it was it was just hysterical to me to watch the fallout um, after after people cherry picked Chris Chelios saying that this is the worst worst officiating he's ever seen, and I kept going behind them and saying, "Now do the second part," mm-hmm. where it clearly showed that that it favored the Maple Leafs in those series of calls that they were complaining about. Maple Leafs fans were were screaming in a storm that they were getting the short end of the stick. And in that series of penalties that they all highlighted on ESPN, it was the Maple Leafs getting the benefit of almost every one of them, which led to their two goals. I get it. I get it. Officiating was bad. But don't don't think that they're out to screw one team just, just because. No, their goal isn't to to favor one team or another. Their goal is to make everything look fair on paper. It's to make their bosses happy so they can make more money working in the next round. Right. And it goes back to Colin Campbell's department. What are these guys being told in between games? So, we know the league is too cowardly 
to draft your own opponent when you qualify for the playoffs? What about draft your own officiating crew that you get for the entire seven-game series? Both teams together. (laughs) Yes. Both teams together have to come up with a consensus about the officiating crew. No, here here you go. No, 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 no. They get one rep and one lines person each. Uh, No, okay, I like that better. And it's based on regular season standing, so... We'll even we'll even do it snake draft style. You line the teams up one through sixteen, and they have to make their picks. But the two teams that are competing cannot communicate with each other. We have like sixteen different glass bubbles, and you got to put one player in each of them. And they can have and a little cheat sheet, one piece of paper in front of them. And you do a top you you do a top three, so that way. If the other team votes for the same guy, um, whoever gets who, whoever gets the most picks for second place gets that uh, uh, is is then that team's pick. And do you do it for all four rounds before you enter the playoffs, or do you do it round by round? Round by round. I think you do it round by round. Okay. And then the okay. same the same group that that gets picked for. Uh, the first round, they can only pick from that group of, of official on ice officials for the second round. Now, my next question is, do you think the scouting the ref server would be able to handle all the traffic? Nope. <laughs> I knew you would be the first one to do that. I knew it. <laughs> I'm sorry I had to. I can take it out and post, by the way. So eh, why bother? <laughs> oh, just because it's fun. We can upload our own, by the way, too. So that's just for anyone that doesn't know. We've moved over to a a podcasting plat a podcasting um, service platform to record, and it has a built in soundboard. So, and I also like suspected you would be the first one to bring up that we could put in our own sounds too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's all right. It's all good. We can we can bring in our own, you know, just just that little snippet of Perry Como's "The Bluest Skies You'll Ever See" are in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Um, my poor my poor Kraken, and I say and I say this because I'm feeling empathetic for my mother, who has I don't believe ever watched more than four or five minutes of a hockey game in her entire life. And that includes all of the years um, that I was living at home as a child, not as an adult, so stop it, um, and would watch hockey incessantly, um, largely because I had my own TV and was perfect because it picked up the CBC from Vancouver um, via the rabbit ears. So I could scurry away and go watch hockey. Um, She has become invested in this Kraken playoff run to the point that uh, during the first game against the Avalanche, um, no, during the second game during the Avalanche, um, when it was tied very late in the game and then the Avalanche scored, I fully expected to get a text from my mother asking me, you know, basically doing the, the Tony, the solo city, you know, 
what what the hell the goalie just said F it and left um <laughs> granted she knew a little bit granted she knew a little bit more than to ask me that because she's she actually turned around and said that she thought that was a smart move that they pulled him with a couple minutes left and I thought well thank you very much you you are are learning um and now I'm starting to she she sits in her chair in her room or in the living room and and has figured out now picture in picture on her new TV. Mm-hmm. So she will have the Mariners game on one side and the Kraken game on in the other, and then she will text me saying that she is 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 fidgeting in her chair to no end because of how exciting you know the games have been. And yesterday being a prime example for the Avalanche and Kraken, Avs score you know three to get them up you know get themselves up three to one and then you know 19 seconds later the crack and tie the game and her text was me holy crap did you see that and i said welcome to hockey and and it sort of hit me it's like i i know i made the joke of explaining you know all of the major sports in sort of sarcastic terms but you know for for people complaining about the lack of scoring in hockey um I don't know if it's the lack of scoring so much as the lack of scoring chances. And when you have two goals going in 19 seconds that ties a game, that starts to get people on board with the sport being chaos on ice. Mm-hmm. It may seem like it's slow in plotting, but soccer is unbelievably slow in plotting compared to it. It may seem like it's, um, you know, too chaotic and crazy, but basketball is kind of chaotic and crazy. So, you know, the difference between those two is basketball. It's, it's try and stop us from scoring. Soccer is, well, we're going to try and score in a couple minutes. And hockey is like, wow. Because <laughs> it can be. So welcome to hockey, all of you new, newly minted fans from this playoff run. Because yeah. that's, you know, as, as beneficial as it's going to be long term, um, it will. I, I just sort of screwed myself with that statement. It's going to. It's going to provide a benefit long term by having a reasonable playoff run against you know a team that has been deemed a you know a, a dominant sort of Stanley Cup threat. And you know we got to hang with them. Oh my God, it's so exciting. So good on them. Um, take it to seven because. I, I want to see my mother's reaction, to be honest with you, of a game seven. I do. I do. She will She will lose interest in, in hockey once the Kraken are out. But I want them to go to seven because I just, I'm going to live for her reaction during a game seven. The, before the game starts, I think I'm going to die. <laughs> no, all, but it, all new hockey fans have that stress of, oh my God, this is going to kill me. <laughs> Well, and I was going to say, would it be a game seven that invokes that reaction or her first overtime? Mm. No. So she was asking me about the overtime um, because in that, in that, in that game where it was two, two late before the Avs scored, um, she's like, I, I'm so worried. Overtime is, is it still five on five? And I was like, yep, yeah, five on five. You play until somebody scores. And I said, that's when the chaos really happens. It's prison rules and <laughs> players are going to get tired and stupid stuff is going to happen. And it is, it is magnificent. Now, if game seven went into overtime, Pat, 
that would just be Chef oh, that's... Salt Bay. You know, that's it. Forever hockey fans. Yeah. We could only hope. And, and then you turn around and say to him, that was only the first round. There's three more to go. <laughs> New hockey fans are the best. They really are. You, you know, it, 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 it's why I kind of like watching reaction videos to songs I've heard a million times. Yeah, you know, me too. Yeah. You, you just sort of get that. Oh God, that's right. That's what I felt like. Oh, it's so nice to be able to revisit that, you know, even just because I hear the song now and sometimes I get taken back, but it's so weird to hear other people go, Oh my God, this is, you know, Oh my God, you know? And I was like, Oh yeah, that's kind of what I felt like the first time I heard that. Okay. Mm. So yeah, you know, I, I, I'm getting to see the birth of, of a, <laughs> the birth of a, of a, <laughs> the birth of a retired senior citizen hockey fan. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Love you. <laughs> Yeah, it's always it's always bothered me when people just kind of like put down new hockey fans and I'm I'm like you were there once yourself whether you were 2 years old and realizing what was going on or you were 45 and you're new to the whole sport, you know, 85 whatever and but they're fun. They're they're like figuring things out. They're trying to figure out, you know, what's going on and and what counts and what doesn't and it's fun. Well, and and to see to see it happen at this sort of, you know, when every when everybody steps up their game so to speak and yet you you think it gets tighter but it actually ends up being just a hair more chaotic because everyone's trying so hard not to screw up that causes them to screw up. Um, that's, that to me is, it's, it's catnip. It's, it's just watching, it's just watching people first discover catnip. So now, now, now maybe, maybe you can get a hint of why I would sequester myself away for two months and, you know, had back in the day would have two TVs going downstairs, you know, with, cause the games were on USA network and ESPN or CBC and ESPN, um, you know, watching all of the hockey I could and didn't like having people around me. I didn't invite people over to watch games with me very often because I'm, I'm just like, I am tunnel vision. You don't come watch hockey with me. You sit next to me while I watch hockey, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, I, I like that paradigm or I want, I want to be sitting next to a newbie and just like, I want to hear all your questions. Yeah. Just feed me and let's go back and forth the entire time. I I, I like doing that live. Um mm-hmm. other, you know, because it, it it puts me back in somewhat of a coach mode to to some aspect because you know I, I get I kind of have to focus on what they may need to ask about rather than what I'm looking for, you know. I'm sitting there, you know, plays plays moving down the ice. I'm not following it down the ice. I'm sitting there looking at, you know, who's potentially making a change. You know, I'm looking behind the play to see if anybody's sort of hanging out, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I'm not watching the puck between, you know, the, the blue lines as much as I am seeing, you know, where the play is developing behind it. See, all of this reminds me of when I was in college, my best friend in college, and we're still friends, um, she, her family's from South Asia and her mom was visiting 
and I, we were sitting watching a football game and um, I was explaining what was going on on the field, like live football game. It wasn't on TV to this older Indian woman whose husband liked football, but she never really cared for it. And I'm explaining this to her as the game's going on. And by the half, by halftime, she was really into it and really enjoying it. And it was wonderful to see. It was just fantastic. So I do that with hockey people sometimes, but, but that's, that's like, you know, you get, you get a, a South Asian woman into American football you yeah. should you should apologize for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I make no apologies. To whom do you apologize? The woman or her family? Um, the what? woman. <laughs> I always go back to the Tracy Morgan joke in Thirty Rock. You know, when he was forced to be sober, he's like, and wear a, wear an ankle bracelet. And he said, you know, it sucks being sober. It turns out my sister in law isn't attractive, and football's really boring. see it's slow enough for people who aren't familiar who aren't sports people to follow they don't realize that the you know until much later that there's really only 11 or 12 minutes of actual action in the three hours you're watching football so So it's easy for them once you start explaining things, positions and such, and what everybody does and what's going on, what they're wearing and all of that. It's easy for them to catch on to it and figure it out. Hockey is a little more challenging because line changes. Because they're like oh, following mean- a player and then they like change line. She's like, wait, where'd the player I go? Where'd he go? Where was the guy I was following? You know, kind of thing. So, so it gets a little confusing for people that way, but like, you mean when we say oh crap three or four plays ahead of this or behind in a sequence and everyone around you looks at you funny uh-huh. not everyone picks up on that stuff no no they don't and and you know when you start like mapping out how the game is going to go for the next two periods after the first period's over and it happens that way they don't really like that when you do that either but, you know. <laughs> so, so case in point, I was sitting there with my kids last night, um, right before it's not Tyler, it's Darren Radish scored for the Lightning. And it was just yeah, one of those took, moments. That took me a minute too. <laughs> like who? And I was like, Taylor Radish is. I, what, when did what? he get moved to defense? <laughs> yeah, I, I was so confused. And, I mean, anyway, I was watching the play. <laughs> he was going around the back of the Toronto net. The D, Toronto's D switch. Jake McCabe goes to make a play on him. And I was like, oh, crap, here we go. And it's just one of those little moments where I didn't know that the player would score. But I knew Tampa would get a prime scoring opportunity because the defenseman was out of the play behind the net. Then they hustle back to get in position, but now there are lanes. There are passing lanes. There are shooting lanes. There, there's this extra room because now you're you're overworking to compensate for yeah. a mistake. Yeah, and so, like I mean I said, that, everyone... that took me 20 years to to notice. Everyone tries so hard to not make a mistake that they end up making a mistake because they're Twice. trying too hard. 
Yeah. Or, yes, or because... they're trying so hard to not make a mistake that they play so conservatively that they actually take themselves out of the action. Sometimes yes. it goes one to be, it goes the other way. There is, there is a flow to be had. There yes. is a flow to be required. Yes. Um, and how many players do, how many players does Boston have to lose before they become vincible? <laughs> yeah. I, is, is this, how, how many, how many AHLers do they have in the lineup right now? <laughs> well, crime any, I don't know, but not that they have many AHLers themselves, but yeah. Well, let's count. We have Nick Felino one, um, no, Bergeron. I, Craigie today. A uh, couple games ago, or last game actually, they scratched him right before the last game. Yeah, he's still out today. Okay. Trent Pritchard, Hathaway. So you've now so it taken looks like their top one up front. Right? Yep. Yeah. It looks like only really one AHL player, the forward group. It really just looks like one because of the depth. They were able to bring in enough players because they had so many injured guys at the trade deadline. It's really only one AHL player. In, uh, but here's the thing is that they're injured now, and this is only the first round. Yeah. Which means they're going to be healthy for the third round. and it's mm-hmm. Or they're going to be worse off. It's hard to say. Meanwhile, Carolina looks like they might have the components of two full AHL lines by the end of this first round. Man, Ugh. that's that's going to be that's going to be very interesting to see what kind of organizational depth is there. Mm-hmm. Especially given all the complaints coming from the Chicago Wolves, saying, "Well, Carolina." change what they wanted to do this year. Well, not really know knowing what that was because their HL team did not qualify for the playoffs and they're soon to be former AHL team. Yeah. Whenever that contract expires. Yeah. That's a good question, but the Chicago I think it's Wolves this year. are going independent. Yep. Yeah. It, I think it's, it's this year. Going back to Charlotte. Nope. No. And that's for various and sundry other reasons that certain AHL independent franchises don't spend money. Hello, Charlotte. Mm. Certain ones do. Chicago, and that gives certain teams. Which is why teams start creating their own AHL team. Or NHL NHL teams create their own AHL teams. (laughs) Which is kind of... I was having this conversation with some friends online uh, about a week ago where I said, really, the NHL should run its own development league and then take the remaining franchises from the AHL and the ECHL that are left over and create a independent tier two pro league. Let's not call it a minor league. Here's my question is... At what point do the independent owners of the AHL teams just get tacked on to the rest of the AHL, though? Because I doubt that they're going to do that two-tier 
which would, you know, relegation. Woohoo. Let's start oh, that. Yeah. Um, I mean, anyway. don't get me wrong. But, I would love but, it. But the, uh, um, because at some point the NHL, all the NHL teams are going to own their own AHL teams, right? So at what point does the AHL then become more than 32 teams because you have the independent owners who won't sell and or um, are sticking around anyway and teams are still using them as like overflow or because they can or, you know, whatever. Well, I, I would ask at what point does the IHL come back in that case? Right. Which honestly, and I'm I think, surprised that hasn't yet. I mean, based on the way things are going, I, I there's a two to one imbalance for yep. every two NHL owned American Hockey League teams. There's one independent team. Mm-hmm. Just about. And, and my goodness, live in game update: Uh-oh. Tyler Bertuzzi landed on his head, and you would never know the difference. Rocco Gudis just stood him up at a blue line and he feet in the air. Bruins up two nothing. I think Gudis is the last guy in the in the NHL who knows how to throw a hip chuck. Mm, Kale McCarr is actually pretty good at him. Is he? Yeah. He he's, is. He's but... snuck a couple in. Mm. But he doesn't have the fire plug build to really deliver him. Right. It- his dur- durability season to season will dictate how much he throws those. Yeah. I have a feeling. Yeah. He's, he's got the speed to add to the physics side of it. So they, you know, so the, the force is velocity and mass. So he's got the, you know, velocity. If he had the mass man alive, would he be dangerous? Hmm. I know. And uh, <clears throat> can we all take a moment, please, and bow our heads in silent <sighs> prayer for the Vegas Golden Knights, who? who have who have spent so much time chasing white elephants that they sort of forgot they need goaltending. Mm-hmm. You know, who doesn't just <laughs> who doesn't need well, goaltending at this point? <laughs> the Kings, no, certainly not the Kings. And I'm Corpus going to Salad. say this right fantastic. here neither do the Kraken. How much is this? Is the Grubauer revenge on Colorado tour? <laughs> you know, I think it's it, he's there's... finally healthy for the first time in two and a half years. Uh, I'm not saying he is going to steal a game for uh, Seattle, which is what they really need. Yeah, I mean, well, even with like really top tier goaltending, and there are not many of those players, um, if they don't have a good defense, they're not going to steal. They're going to have a hard time stealing games too. So a good defensive structure. Yes. Yes. And friends, we we didn't want to beat a dead horse. So we kind of laid off the crack and talk, but all those underlying issues are still there. They just won't be able to score their way out of their problems for seven games in a series. 
Mm, Almost sounds to me like they could use an injection of new blood in their lineup. Hmm. Maybe at the center position. Hmm. Maybe Hmm. they have a prospect in their system. I don't know. Mm, Interesting. But not a college guy, so he probably won't get a lot of playing time, huh? Yeah, well, we need to, we need to, you know, somebody needs to look at the organizational depth chart of the Kraken and see what uh, might be available to them at the center position. At what point do we do an intervention? <laughs> I don't know, but let's just hope they make the right choice. Mm. No, he's not going to solve all their woes or cure all their ailments, but for the love of God, you know... <laughs> Let's look at another injection into a lineup on a team that happens to be winning their series. Dear province of Toronto, please turn turn the podcast on for the next five Ontario. minutes. <laughs> province no, of Ontario. No, it's province of Toronto. Okay. No, okay. he's right, Cassie. He's he's right. No, you're right. Yes, you're yeah, okay. Yeah. Sorry. He's right. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Because Sorry. at different times and, and, and different, depending upon what game you're watching, that includes the state of Florida, the state of New York, basically where all the expats <laughs> live. So the province of Toronto. Is that kind of like a state Matthew? of life? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Boy, is it. Matthew Nyes <laughs> is exactly what you would want out of, you know, plugging in the right prospect into your lineup. Not doing too much. A U.S. collegiate player? <laughs> well, you know. Sue Greyhounds? Wait, what? <laughs> certain coaches might hope for for that, you know. Them and their um, goatee-wearing alter egos. <laughs> Not doing Are too much. Never- quick on the puck. <laughs> Evil like hack. Mirror but- universe now. <laughs> Straight into Star Trek again. <laughs> the Kraken in the multiverse. Yeah. <laughs> he was forced into their lineup, though, Pat. He was forced into their lineup. I'm talking Big, about bigger question. Should he have been there to begin with? Like a certain fourth overall pick in someone's system. I don't know. I haven't looked at what he's done in Coachella yet. And that's always that's the thing that always drives me nuts, right? You're not able to play for the AHL because of your age. But when your season is done in the OHL, you can play in the AHL. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hockey and its convoluted logic. For the love of God, if you're granted exceptional status, you should be granted exceptional status in the AHL. Just solve the damn thing and let's get out of this idiocy. Thank you very much. Signed Patrick. Two games played four shots. That's it. That's all. Unfortunately, I don't have time on ice data to compare. I don't care about that. I don't care about that. I it's a development league for a reason. But it could be better. Oh, it could be. Could be coaching. Because remember who's down there. 
A lot of people forget the head coach of the Coachella Valley Firebirds is Disco Dan. Disco Dan. <laughs> Disco Stu is not impressed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Disco Dan. Speaking of AHL coaching, you know what we didn't mention last week? On purpose? <laughs> Well, we didn't want to kick somebody out the door. We wanted to shove, throw, burn the access card um, (laughs) of a certain San Diego goals coach. The winningest coach in AHL history. Who is also the losingest coach in AHL history. Look, even Cujo knows he knows how this works. You stick around long enough, you uh, just be happy to be there that long. I'm just happy but, to be nominated. Yeah, yeah. It's an honor. So <laughs> it'll be quite surprising to see if the Anaheim Ducks franchise does a little something next year with um, coaching that they like at both levels, the A and the N. Oh, God, that's right. They canned Eakin, too. Mm-hmm. Wow, Verbeek and, really just went in and cleaned house, hey? Yeah, and the Eakin thing, take it with a grain of salt, none of the young players regressed. They didn't progress. Well, they didn't. Regressing, nope. at least. You know, they, they, not regressing they, is good. <laughs> they grassed? They grassed. <laughs> they didn't pro or re, they just grassed. <laughs> so for years, I always wondered, what would Paul Maurice do if he ever had an NHL goalie? <laughs> and then he got Connor Hellebuck and. Unfortunately, the Winnipeg Jets peaked in, what was it, 2018 or 2019 conference final. Yeah, whatever the year before Bufflin retired. Yeah, exactly. I wonder, I need to go back and look and compare the defenses of the rosters that, that Eakins had between Edmonton and Anaheim. Oh, God, Just his to Anaheim see. roster was infinitely worse. Infinitely. Infinitely. But, he, but see, now he, he's but, he's established himself as a hockey man, so he will forever always have a job somewhere. I don't know, Cassie. I don't know, because I think he's going to be blackballed by the other hockey men. Mm, well, no, I think you had a guy that went from AHL Wonderkin to NHL flop, to AHL wonder kid, to NHL flop. And to Patrick's and point earlier, the prospects, the young players didn't progress when he was in the NHL. Had granted, they, okay. I, I, I'd say they were rushed, but it, that's a guy that should be able to deal with that because he spent enough time at the AHL. Yeah, but so what you're saying is he need he and Ron Hextall need to find a franchise willing to bring them in together. 
Mm? Oh, dear God. They're mm? going to Columbus. <laughs> I don't Hexie hate is it. Assistant, Hexie is assistant general manager under Yarmo. Mm-hmm. And Eakins as the head coach. Because, boy, tell how about somebody that sort of threw out the trash and, you know, on a, on a Friday afternoon type thing? Raise your hand if you knew Brad Larson was fired. <laughs> Somewhere this is that an audio buried. Was it, audio no, only medium, but my hand's up. And polling the audience, there's oh, one other hand outside of the three of us. Congratulations. <laughs> of course, we are excluding the Columbus market from, from these stats because, you know, that just skews the numbers. All y'all are liars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ain't none of you knew that happened because we were all still talking. You know. Anyway. Um, so that'd be interesting. I, it would be interesting. Here, here's the question I ask: Do you wait until the lottery results before making that move? No, but I don't think they're going to have a choice because the lottery is going to be smack dab in the second round. It appears, right, mm-hmm. or towards the end of the first. I think it's supposed to be, and I'm not looking it up because I'm feeling lazy. I think it's supposed to be between the first and second rounds. Yeah. Um, but we'll see if it actually plays out that way. That's kind of what I was leading into. Yeah. Because the, the other thing is um, you still don't know how many more vacant seats are going to be in the game of musical chairs because some teams are – I mean, I'm not talking about any playoff teams potentially firing their coaches, but any other teams, um, you know, whose guys' contract may be up generally or, the end of June. Or a situation like Ottawa where that franchise will be sold. You just don't yeah. know what the new guy wants to do. Um, May 8th. So we're about two weeks out. Mm. Yeah, X number of business days away. And that's on a Monday. Wait, way to go, NHL. Not marrying this on a Friday. Yeah, time has no meaning for anybody in the NHL, I think. It's like when things start popping up, they're like, oh, right, yeah, we have that. <laughs> Days of the week, yeah, those are a thing. <laughs> it's all feel. When the temperature feels good, Pierre Lebrun laments that get the playoffs out of June. Mm-hmm. It's That's a feel when all the players go too ahead. interested in his damn football. Yeah, <laughs> it's all feel when the players, coaches, and execs all complain about the officiating because oh, they. They're working hard. Logic? What's that? I don't know, but I don't know whether TNT and ESPN got together and beat down the NHL or whether it was a partnership decision or whatever, but 
this playoff season broadcasting schedules and game schedules has been fantastic i think they just took independent like action and the nhl just kind of had to take it (laughs) that would be my opinion (laughs) and i'm not discounting that at all because you know getting multiple games on espn and espn2 and sort of prime prime real estate as far as time and then having back to backs or having triple headers or double headers across TNT and TBS has been like, uh, we've said this for ages. That's all it takes is put the games where you got sports fanatics watching sports mm-hmm. during these hours, put them on these networks that people have even in hotel rooms. <laughs> for the now, love of God, you know, and, and I was a bit facetious when I said that, but I think that really probably happened because, you know, the networks just decided their schedules and the NA, you know, TV schedules and the NHL just kind of had to accept that because if the NHL had like made those decisions, then they would have taken, as we've all known, the cowardly route of, well, we don't want to be, we don't want to be like doing too much because, because. We don't want to be prime time on a Saturday. Oh, no, no, no. That's voodoo. Yeah, that's not no, it us. Isn't. <laughs> we don't do things like that. No, Risk it adverse. Isn't. Talk about risk adverse. Put the damn game prime time on a Saturday night. For the love of God. Watch what happens. Look, look north. Look north. What happens every flipping Saturday night from October to June? Look north. Mm-hmm. It is must watch TV. Now, counterpoint. No, no, no. People who no, no, no. People who make that Saturday night broadcast get Jen Botterill out of the studio and in the play-by-play booth. Because my good is she been fantastic for TNT, especially during that Jets uh, Vegas game yesterday. I want to hear her dis- on during the game. I, I will not disagree with you. I will only disagree with you. <laughs> um, I love get everyone else out of her way in this studio. Let brilliant. Yes. Cause it was never an issue with her. No, no. The format, but, ju- ugh, the format works not against her, but it's me. Not in her favor. She, Liam Anson and her. That's all I need. I don't need the comic relief because she's actually pretty funny. Anson's pretty chirpy. Liam is very affable and a hell of a nice guy. And for At least she can loud, put BXA in, her, in his place. Exactly. Um, and for crying out loud, the woman broke the TNT set by doing a between the legs wrist shot with a please don't hurt the host foam puck in a dress, in heels. The woman, leave her in the studio. I need more stuff like that so I can I can use it as a middle finger to every every stupid knuckle dragging, mouth breathing, back hair wretched, freaking jack wagon who thinks that his beer league makes him better than a, than a female hockey player. Okay, she can stay in the studio and uh, maybe let Sarah Nurse do a little color commentary because uh, I've been hearing some birdies say that. Maybe she'll fill in for that recently vacated Vancouver color spot on regional <gasps> broadcasts. Really? 
Really? Huh? Oh. I don't know how much. I, I don't care if someone was making it up. I'm willing it into existence. <laughs> Live in-game update. Um, an annoying hockey player brings a, <laughs> a pissed off team within one goal. Okay, but back to Sarah Nurse. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Pat. That's like me saying Sebastian Ajo scored. <laughs> <laughs> Sebastian Ajo scored for the Canes. Well, yeah, no, Sebastian Ajo, Sebastian Ajo scored for the Canes. No, not that one. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Matthew Kachuk scored, huh? Yeah. yeah Puck was on the back of the back of the net. So teammate pops it off. He puts one between his legs. Both skates seem to be behind the goal line. 2-1 yeah. Boston, four minutes left in the second. And I would just love to hear what Nurse would say about a goal like that. Because she can do that. She pulled the Bart Simpson, I can do that, but I don't want to. And you would believe her. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh. I like the classic, oh, oh I meant to do that. <laughs> Oops, did I do that? Do the Urkel. Did I do that? Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. Hope is a dangerous thing. Like yes, hoping is. a certain somebody on Vegas would have scored the game-winning goal last night? Hoping that my friend Philip J. Kessel would have scored. This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3V3Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.